Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The following program is presented by the Nerdy Show Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by a comic shop, Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination, and with the generous support of listeners like you. To learn how you can support this and other fine geek programming, visit nerdyshow.com. Welcome to Nerdy Show, a weekly podcast dedicated to every facet of nerddom, from comics and video games to science and technology. If it's geeky, we've got it covered. Hi, I'm Cap. I'm Trench. I'm Arceus. I'm Tony. I am Luke. <laughs> and this is not a musical episode, but it is a Nerdy Show microsode. That's where we talk about what you want us to talk about for 15 minutes or more. I'm still just caught up on the fact that Luke is here. It's been a little while. Luke, why are you so late? I- I wandered back out of the forest. I have a beard nigh unto my ankles. <laughs> I'm like the man from the uh, Monty Python intros. Just picture that in your mind. <laughs> well, hey, since you're the guy from the Monty Python intros, can we get an it's from you? It's. It's European RPGs. Not the tabletop kind, the video game kind. Sebastian Schlingman would like us to talk about European RPGs. He says it might be a long shot. But if any of you has any experience with the obscure Euro RPGs like Gothic, Stalker, or The Witcher, I'd like to hear your opinions on them. It's not a long shot. We are nerds with time on our hands. <laughs> when, when, okay. was, when was the last time you were on a Nerdy Show episode, Luke? Was it as long ago as April 2016? Two years spent before the mast on the trail of the white wave. Well, welcome back, Luke. It's uh, been far too long. People do ask about Luke, and uh, I think that's beautiful. Aww. That's how you get me to appear. You say my name and you clap and believe. <laughs> I do believe in Luke. I do believe in Luke. I do believe in Luke. <laughs> well, now I'm banished. I'm back to the underworld with me. Bye. <laughs> Damn it, Tony. Uh, so Euro RPGs. Yes, Euro RPGs. Yes. So I'm not sure that I've played anything that qualifies as this. I really wanted to play Witcher 3 super badly, but that didn't happen. So I'm going to be the moron here, while the rest of you will be the seasoned uh, experts, question mark? I'll accept that label. I'm a lightly salted expert. (laughs) So The Witcher, obviously, with CD Projekt Red, uh, was a huge hit when it came out in 2015. It's still a hit. So before we get into the inevitability of us talking about The Witcher and CD Projekt Red, who is totally leading the charge these days, let's talk about the other games. Gothic, Stalker, anyone ever played either of those? I personally have not played Gothic. I have a passing familiarity with Stalker, which, entertainingly enough, is an acronym that nobody quite knows the definition of. It is S-T-A-L-K-E-R. That's how you spell Stalker. Well, it has a period between each letter, which means that's how <laughs> we should be saying the name. Well, what does it stand for? God only knows. What I and it's kind of a moot you. point because it's a Russian game and the acronym is English. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Are we considering the Ukraine-Russia now? Is that happening? Because it's a, it's, Ukra- it's a Ukrainian game. 
in <laughs> it's only a matter of time i hope in not. retrospect i misspeak <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm American. These things happen. <laughs> They're right, Luke. There's, there's a reason that it's been a couple of years since the last time you were on an episode. <laughs> that's uh, <laughs> that's GSC uh, Game World. I have played Stalker. I have played, can't remember which one specifically, but I have played at least a game in the Gothic series. I have played The Witcher 1 partway through, and I have, I own The Witcher 3. I haven't played it yet. I uh, Mount and Blade Warband. Whoa, that sounds odd. Which is a little bit more strategy game than role-playing, but it's still a role-playing game. And also some of the Spellforce games, if you're familiar with that at all. No. I have played I have played copious amounts of Witcher 3 myself. It's, it's marvelous, and I know we'll get to that. I guess we'll kind of consider Metro 2033 in the same genre. It's got RPG elements, yeah. It's, it's kind of a spiritual cousin to Stalker, as I it's understand. It's also, yeah, a you know good example of some of the other like hallmarks and characteristics of European games. And another Ukrainian studio. Yeah, a lot of, lot of this kind of dystopian ideologies that are presented in that. Also, well, no one, ravaged, no one would know better than them. <laughs> worlds ravaged by radiation. Their post-nuclear uh, fallout situations seem to be a lot bleaker than ours. They're not cheeky and fun or action-packed. <laughs> they didn't yeah, do ours. all of it. We did all of our nuclear testing intentionally in other countries <laughs> on small island chains in the Pacific. In the middle of the desert. That too. It's more the all of our babies are dead. What are we going to do to survive type, type post-apocalyptic worlds? Yeah, a lot of the games made by European studios tend to have like a bleaker kind of story and outlook and atmosphere and just kind of feeling to them in their art styles. They also are a lot, tend to be a lot more mature in kind of like their content. I mean, part of that is just that, you know, we have a lot of sensitivities in the United States that they don't have because their culture is different, but they also tend to be a lot less polished than games that are made in the States. I don't know if that's because my assumption is that they have less money to just hurl at things. That's probably a good case, you know, for why that is. The Witcher Three might be an exception yeah, to the bleak. The only, the only well, kind of. Which... I would like to note that for once, I am not the latest to something because I have played The Witcher Three quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Witcher Two is not an exception. I played that game for about. Uh. 10 minutes before I reach my first game-breaking glitch. Oh, shit. That's I, bleak. <laughs> the, the tutorial was broken. <laughs> Which, It'll instill nihilism in a man. The Witcher 3 does have a lot of these same tenets, just in a different way. Because you're playing a character that is, for all intents and purposes, shunned by the rest of society based on various genetic modifications that have been made to him to be able to live long periods of life and to wield magic and be able to fight monsters. Yeah, there's a lot more like racism and classism in the Witcher series than other series that I've, you know, checked out. Though you can have sex with a woman on the back of a unicorn. So you can. there are there are definitely some sunshine lollipops and rainbows going on. <laughs> and you know, like some some of the most tastefully handled uh, sex scenes in a video game, in spite of the unicorn, I would say. <laughs> in spite of, I mean, that just sounds like a like a dream fulfilled. I, someday, I hope to be taken on the I back mean, of a unicorn. Some people, it's kind of sweet that. if you're into it. <laughs> but and this is actually kind of just a, an interesting side note. There's something that happened fairly recently with both The Witcher and Metro 2033, because both of those series are not strictly video games. Both of them actually have a history in being written material books prior to becoming video games in the stalker does as well the author of the witcher series recently came out 
and said that he was not a fan of the way that they took his story in these games and that he feels that the games might have actually hurt his book sales that he was doing just fine without the games and now he's got an American readers that he doesn't want doesn't like because they don't get the material and they pale in comparison to his written work and the author of the Metro 2033 series looked at this and said dude you're fucking crazy he also <laughs> the, the Witcher also with had a TV series too in Poland but the the author of the Metro 2033 set series came out and said look the games of my series have done absolutely nothing but boost their people's awareness of the fact that there even is literature like this out there and people have access to it that never would have before and yeah i've read i've read a little bit of both and that's two bits of genre fiction that i would have never heard about if not for the games first and this happened like in the last month or so if you google it you'll find the articles but it's just i will admit i have not read any of this stuff but i have been tempted because of the games like you know i would have never been aware of the you know, the property at all if they hadn't have been made into video games. And yeah. I highly recommend those Witcher books. It's some of the most enjoyable fantasy I've read. And I, the games themselves take place after the conclusion of the books. The books mm -hmm. have tell a self-contained story that these games through conceit, because in the first game you're, you play an amnesiac Geralt. Yeah. Who's trying to figure out who the hell he was and why he has these powers. And this kind of leads up to what that was. So it's, I mean, The Witcher 3, I think, is is the one that we all have the most collective experience with out of these games and is a just masterpiece in, in storytelling and kind of game Absolutely. design. So yeah, the, it's kind of the exception to a lot of, like, as far as like the polish and whatnot oh, yeah. that I mentioned before, but that's also because CD Projekt is behind good old games and so has shit tons of money. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> GOG.com. I had no idea, actually. That was I didn't a, either a, a until recent... I was doing research for this. Yeah. yeah, which is amazing. I mean, CD Projekt Red, they are some of the greatest, as far as people go, greatest people in the video game industry. As truly comrades to gamers of all nations. One of the nicest settings I've ever been to a game screening in at E3. They imported a ton of Polish beer and everybody got some. The only thing that I have against them right now, and this is getting off topic, is that they managed to secure the copyright to the term cyberpunk yes. for their one game that's forthcoming. Yeah, oh. uh, they long, long in development, Cyberpunk 2077, an open world role playing game based on the Cyberpunk 2020 tabletop system. I've been anticipating it for years, and those motherfuckers... They copyright the term cyberpunk, which is a really fucked up thing to do. I mean, I understand like you don't you want to protect your property and all that stuff, but you now own the name of this huge genre of work that has been going on for decades. And you Somewhere know, William Gibson and Neil Stevenson are calling each other like, what did we do? <laughs> and, and CD Projekt Red, they've asked everybody to trust them that they're not going to be evil about it. And. It's like, I, you know, if I trust anybody, <laughs> I do trust you guys. But someday, eh. that won't matter. Yeah. It's kind of yeah. like the Google having in their bylaws, don't be evil. <laughs> and that sounds great when Google was just a search engine. But now that they kind of run the world, it's kind of like... That's not an alphabet's bylaws. Yeah. <laughs> CD Projekt, run red with your blood. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, they, they do have a really great ethos towards gaming. They've made a point of being an independent studio, not letting anybody buy them out. They feel that independence is integral to who they are as a strategy, as a business strategy. And they're right. A lot more studios could stand to say not sell out to EA. That would be a good career move. It's funny that uh, you mentioned that because oh Reddit in particular throughout all of the kerfuffle that recently happened with uh, Mass Effect Andromeda 
was sitting there and posting GIF comparisons of the facial animations in Andromeda, which was from one of the biggest studios on the planet with a $50 million budget and yada, yada, yada. And then they were posting facial animations from The Witcher, but has a very simple, a very similar dialogue tree system and kind of just approach to the game because they're both open world RPGs. And the you know it's an independent studio with independent backing made with a much smaller team, and it's so far superior that it's scary. Oh yeah, The Witcher is like a masterclass in efficiency of design. Everything looks fantastic, even though there's such a limited number of like faces on all the NPCs. Everybody looks so good that you don't even care after a while. <laughs> Yeah. By the way, we haven't mentioned, uh, whereas everybody else we've talked about so far are from the Ukraine, these guys are Polish. They were founded in 1994, and they were actually game retailers who became a game studio specifically, I think, to, to translate games, and they work with huh. Interplay a lot. So they were translating some Baldur's Gate titles into Polish, and uh, then Interplay hit, you know, those big problems that Interplay hit. They were making Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance and canceled the game, though apparently it, you guys have played it, right? Yeah, I've yeah. played... Dark Alliance and Dark Alliance 2. So according to Wikipedia, it was canceled, maybe just canceled in only Poland. But what CD Projekt Red did was that they uh, they reused the code to make their own game, The Witcher. <laughs> Funny how that works. And uh, <laughs> I guess that's uh, I guess that's legal in Poland. And here in, in at with Witcher 3, we finally hit the peak of their Polish polish. <laughs> uh. You mentioned uh, you mentioned they got into the business by translating games, which is kind of an interesting coincidence because uh, the author of the Witcher novels also originally got into writing by translating novels into Polish. <laughs> That's weird. Um, so obviously, CD Projekt Red, the cyberpunk thing does suck, but they do make great games when they're not breaking. And I <laughs> guess how was how was Witcher three? Did Witcher three break much? Uh, Witcher no. 3 had some issues here and there, but they are not to Bethesda levels. Yeah, I should um, say I came in. I didn't play the game until last year, so that I had you know the advantage of a lot of patches, but I never noticed anything horrible. Yeah, same here. It's because there was nothing horrible to it. You had some load times. You had the occasional glitch, but by and large, the game just worked. It's uh, CD Projekt Red with The Witcher 3 has earned so many internet brownie points, it's not even funny. Because they released a shit ton of content as free DLC. The mm -hmm. DLC that they did that make people pay for is the size of the original game. And they did two expansion packs like that. They have released a game that was finished for all intents and purposes and was so full of depth and content that you could literally lose yourself in it for weeks on end. And they did it at just a regular price tag. They didn't buy into any other bullshit. And they were just like, oh, hey, we game, we game too. We like when people do this. We would rather more people did this. So we're going to do it for you. In addition to them also being awesome about DLC, they're also awesome about DRM, digital yeah, rights, right. which is one of the foundations of uh, GOG. They oppose DRM in all forms and hope that free downloadable content becomes an industry standard. And they are putting their money where their mouth is by virtue of creating this, you know, that platform. So they're they're awesome. There's one game we didn't touch on that Sebastian mentioned, and that's Gothic. Who's played Gothic? Like I said, I've played maybe one or two games in the series, and they don't really stand out to me. And it's just I couldn't, you know, do, could, do you, couldn't get into them. Do you have to go to a failing mall in America and find the hot topic that's there to purchase some some bracelets and belts and whatnot? Is that, is that where you're going to play Gothic? Hang on. You do. I'm, I'm queuing up the foghorn sound effect. <laughs> Tony, Tony. Uh, I, I got them... You know, when I was in the army and I was bored because I had to sit at a desk for 24 hours and wasn't supposed to be asleep. Were so. you stationed in Germany? Uh, I was and actually was at the time I bought them. And it not, was not like, surprising because they're from German studio Piranha Bytes and it's B-Y-T-E-S. 
Thanks, guys. Edgy. Oh, those clever Germans. <laughs> and it was, you know, one of those Steam sales situations where you buy shit that you probably shouldn't buy because it's cheap. That's what's... how I got Metro, I'm pretty sure. Go on. <laughs> what's like, what's that's that game? I got like? a lot what, of these games. What is Gothic all about? What kind of an RPG is it? From what I remember, it's basically kind of like you create your amnesiac generic villager A that becomes the hero for reasons. And... I quit playing the one I was playing because it broke about like 30 minutes in. So, oh, yeah, <laughs> it looks like they're also responsible for the Risen series, which I didn't realize when I've never played myself. Um, I have played Risen, weirdly enough. I've played a little bit of Risen because it came with my <laughs> Steam account. They just gave it to me. It was medieval. There was fire, <laughs> a rock or two. I don't have many memories of it. It looks like they actually have a game coming out this year. It's called LX, and it's a open world science fantasy action rpg something being openly science fantasy and not not using the distinction of science fiction when i mean technically as we established in our prior microsode about science fantasy um if it's science fiction it's probably science fantasy (laughs) (laughs) such a garbage term (laughs) so i think the game that i've probably played the most that qualifies as european rpg is mountain blade warbland warband (laughs) warbland yeah did you just describe the game real quick (laughs) yes and no I mean, it, it is enjoyable and it is a good like way to kill time, but it is not very like polished and there's not a lot of depth to the to the system that, you know, the, the, it was expanded upon uh, through the modding community. That's my understanding is that the modding community really made that game what it was. So that does kind of sound like the initial game was, oh, what's that word when something is non-remarkable? Warbland? That would be the one. Picked up what I was putting down, Luke. I knew there was a reason I missed you. Basically, you just create a character, and then you pick what starting city you want to start at, and then you're let loose in the world. And there's like a little 30-minute tutorial kind of mission chain. And then after that, you're just set loose in the world to raise your army and decide if you're going to be a merchant or if you want to pledge your loyalty to one of the nobles that rules the land. And eventually, if you want to, you can tell everybody to go fuck themselves and found your own kingdom and take over everyone else. With blackjack and hookers. And riverboat gambling trips, if you feel like it. Your character's name is even the nameless one. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Which games from this subset of role-playing games, of all these ones that you've played, that we've talked about, which would you advise people pick up, first and foremost? Definitely The Witcher 3. If you you haven't already heard that from the universe at large. It's everything you've heard. And also, I would highly recommend Metro 2033. And also, its sequel, Last Light. Uh, Last Light's a little more straightforward, action-y, and arcade but it's still very good. They're both excellent. And Metro was actually optioned for a film last year, so we'll see if that comes to fruition. Ooh. I will I will echo Luke's thoughts, though I will say that Witcher 3 suffers from something that a lot of video games suffer from these days, which is that the coolest-looking armor in the game, the armor that your character is on every fucking advertisement with wearing is the worst goddamn armor in the game you spend the rest of the game looking like a fucking poofy bard (laughs) oh the wolf school isn't that it's pretty bad (laughs) (sighs) witcher series three specifically or one and two just for backstory and then modded mount and blade warband and where do you get the the mods from Mostly the mods are either on Nexus mods or the Steam Workshop, but usually it's better to go through Nexus mods. Or you can go through the uh, the Warband forums on their website. And just call it Warbland every time you get They love that. 
uh, recommend the Witcher series uh, if you can get them to work. And the Metro games are pretty solid. I enjoyed both of them. Cool. Well, all right, then. We'll link to absolutely everything we mentioned, including the books, on this episode's page. And when you buy the books for the Witcher series... <laughs> Make sure you email the, the author. <laughs> go ahead, put in every single review. Would not have bought this book if not for game. Yes. <laughs> and Nerdy Show. And then link back to us, but mainly for game. Can I make a, a final sales pitch for the Euro games real quick? Absolutely. If there's something that I notice in these, like especially Witcher 3 and the Metro series, that I, I notice in them that makes them distinct from a lot of American games, it's the, it's maybe it's the fact that they have such smaller budgets. It adds this, there's so much more heart to them is what I feel like. There's a lot of love that goes into them that you don't necessarily feel in the huge, huge polished, big budget projects. And it really, it, it feels like listening to an indie band. Or I was actually I was going to cite independent film because uh, you'll yeah. get a lot of that same sort of they will tell stories that are not necessarily commercially viable or have heroes or outcomes to things that don't make you feel good inside. There's a quest early on in The Witcher Three where there's like a demon tree you come across, or there's a tree with a demon soul trapped in it, and you have two options, which is either to leave the soul of the demon in the tree and have this town nearby continue sacrificing women to it, or set it free. And if you set it free, you get this delightful vignette afterwards where you find out that for the next, like, hundred years, it continued ravaging the countryside. So you're either condemning dozens of women from this village to death or releasing an evil spirit into the world and letting whatever chaos come from its release be on your hands. And I finished that. It was just kind of like, huh. So this is what damned if you do, damned if you don't means. I'm not sure if this was fun, but it feels good for me. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Nerdy Show. We are an entirely listener-supported podcast network. We'll be back next week with our usual hijinks of all the latest stuff happening in the nerd world. But if you like what you heard, please rate and review the show on iTunes or any of our series that you haven't rated and reviewed on iTunes yet. And uh, maybe maybe become a Patreon subscriber. There's a number of tiers you can back us at. Even a dollar gets you things like early releases and a huge backlog of expanded content. But then even more than that, you get all kinds of extra bonuses and even bigger, badder, better perks. What's more, for all the things we listed, well, our links are going to go straight through to Amazon via our Amazon affiliate link. So anything you buy gives back to Nerdy Show. And if you want to do that on a regular basis... Just head to nerdyshow.com slash Amazon. Taking us out, we have a track from Overclocked Remix, and this is a, uh, a piece from Witcher 2, Assassins of Kings. This remix was done in 2015 by Prophetech Music and a, uh, a vocalist called Merrigan. It's uh, called something in Elvish, which I will now hazard to pronounce. Kayla Melane Lunid. Maybe. Um, but, but that is not how you speak Elvish. Uh, Which roughly translates to get out of my forest, filthy humans. (laughs) (laughs) Merrigan actually wrote original lyrics using the lore pages on the Witcher's wiki in-game Elvish. So here it is, that track that I will not attempt to pronounce again from Overclocked Remix's massive archive of awesome fan-made music.
Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.